Welcome back to the Pilgrim Faith Podcast, where human wonder fuels the quest for Christian wisdom. I'm joined today once again with my good friend, uh, Dale Stenberg, and I am coming live from the, well, I guess it's not live technically, uh, but I'm coming non-live from the wonderful state of Kentucky in the town of Harrodsburg, uh, which is apparently the oldest permanent settlement west of the Appalachians in America. There's a lot of plaques here uh, and such, uh, uh, and I'm on my mother-in-law's table here with all her bobbleheads. Uh, so if I'm distracted, I apologize. But uh, more importantly, uh, we're joined by Dale and I's good friend, C.R. Cowley, uh, who's been a, a friend of us and a listener of us. And Dale and I have corresponded with him over the last couple of years. And he's been a, an appreciator of our work. And we've appreciated listening to him mm -hmm. and getting to know him. And uh, the reason we're having Callie on today is, he, you know, he has a unique story and a unique perspective on a lot of things. And, and one of the things I think he has a unique perspective on is just the topic of uh, the role or, the, or, 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 or what does it mean that violence is almost an intrinsic part of civilization? How does violence show up righteously and or unrighteously in a civilization? And the reason that's yeah. really important to be asking right now, in part, is because we're seeing, I think, all of us a shift in maybe, you might say, kind of the, the conservative political ecosystem. Whereas when, when Dale mm -hmm. and I were coming of age in the 90s, the, the tendency was perhaps toward a sort of libertarian ad attitude toward one toward our moral goals or whatever. And what you're seeing, I think, sort of in the Trump era and after is a, is a shift toward a more authoritarian uh, version of getting our moral moral goals accomplished. And there's there's some there's some um, uh, 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 good critiques in there. Uh, uh, there are some good critiques about what just what is a political order? What does it mean to actually say, you know, we we pursue righteousness and oppose injustice? Is that abstractable ultimately from religion? There's all sorts of important and crucial questions to be asked there. And yet, in, in many ways, that shift is much more than just a theoretical one, though. It's a practical one where people are strategizing relative to these themes. In other words, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the, the seizure of authority just because or, or the deployment of authority just because it's justified doesn't mean it's justified when you mm -hmm. do it <laughs> and so the question is is what what could we in the name of a theory in a sense even perhaps a correct theory mm -hmm. uh, what could kind of get slipped under the kind of slipped under the rug and uh, make a correct theory even a sort of trojan horse or actually what can be a, a more sinister project rooted in a kind of authoritarianism that we would none of us would actually ever want. And what I'll the way I'll throw it to Callie is maybe Callie, before we get into talking about all that, that's just kind of setting up what we want to talk mm -hmm. about today. Uh, you have a really interesting perspective, I think, on violence in a sense in civilization uh, 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 and, and where violence shows up in civilization just because of your story. <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe tell our, our audience just kind of a little bit about your background and, and what you do now and kind of how those pieces came together in your own narrative. Yeah. So I've, I've been um, fascinated by violence my whole entire life. I, I think it's something that everybody has violence um, against them and everybody executes violence against somebody else. It, it is universal. And now the intensity and, and motivations behind it, sure they differ, but it is something universal to the human, not, not just human, I, I would argue to the created order. And um, I've been trying to figure out what, what is violence 
of itself sinful or, or bad? Or, or is there some way in which violence is um, important for progress and, and necessary? Um, so as, as a youth, um, I got recruited by the government to uh, be to, to work for um, I set up prison camps for, for the government, right? I, I was a senior interrogator um, in a, during the 90s and did a lot of uh, weapons and drug interdiction between the Middle East and South America, hunting terrorists and drug dealers and things like that. Um, so I was very much encapsulated in a violent environment. And uh, I was a pagan, not a Christian. And uh, my views on violence and, and when it was appropriate and not appropriate, I, I think were very skewed. But it helped me see very clearly sometimes its necessity and also its abuse. Um, and then as I, when I became a Christian, uh, that's when I really started looking into what are the doctrinal basis for how we ought to view violence, um, accept it, and um, execute it, governed by a Christian ethic. Now, th that is not to say that non-Christians um, are going to when you look at the action are, are going to be doing it differently. Um, but there is a, a huge concern. You, you were talking about uh, conservatism and, and this shift in, in how we view violence. And I think there is a concern on one end of um, employing violence um, as a totalitarian authority and feeling justified because you're morally correct in doing so. But on the conservative, you know, being against toxic ma masculinity or, or fill in the blank tolerant thing that you're, you're supposed to be um, behind. But on the conservative end, I, I think there's a, a, a way that is very dangerous that people are pushing back rightly against a, a bad thought and action, but they are likewise becoming tyrannical and abusive themselves, saying that there is a virtue in a certain form of aggression and violence. And I don't think that's a, a appropriate. So what it comes down to me is my assertion is that um, Violence governed by a Christian ethic is necessary. And not only is it necessary, but is it is a physical manifestation or, or an expression of love towards God and it, by, by expressing it through love towards image bearers. I think that violence itself when done, when governed by a Christian ethic, is love towards God and neighbor. So, okay, thank you. Um, nice shades, by the way, brother. I dig it. 
They're they're not. These are prescription. I'm old now. I sold all of my. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sunglasses well, he's a lot and, less cool and, uh, than he was five years ago. I mean, trust yeah. me. <laughs> so, all right. So, um, let's talk about the substance of what we mean when we say violence, right? Yeah. So, I think right. even saying the word, you get an image of, um, you know, shootouts, blood, body parts, death chaos i mean the word just elicits out of us negative emotional responses um so when we talk about violence we are you mentioned the word physical we are talking about um right human bodies contacting each other in conflict right. for the sake right. of fighting over that which is right, right and and good and true and beautiful right. uh, and then you mentioned uh the idea of a that act of, if that's what you mean by violence, and I'll let you say more about what you precisely mean about violence, unless that's sufficient. But, and then you said, okay, if that's what we mean, then that should be governed by a Christian ethic. Right. Um, right. So let's get, so first talk to us about precisely what we're talking about in, when we use the word violence, and then how does a Christian ethic govern that? Right. So um, I think generically violence is, is change. Hmm. the end right um but in 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 this conversation we were specifically talking like physical violence between a human and another human um striking um hitting kicking stabbing all, all of those types of things the, the physical um conflict and confrontation um sure it can be verbal it can be all, all of those kind of things can be included in the overall umbrella but i think for this conversation we wanted to talk about the the physical right. bumping into each other like you said the the physical force um involved between the the two or more humans maybe that, that so that's where, where i would start with violence just before we keep going yeah i think i'd want to ask something clarifying about violence as well because of course violence is such a it's used so broadly these days and, right. and i think in some ways legitimately so but i think maybe the the deep association i see that maybe pulls it all together is something like you've already used the word Callie, sort of force uh uh, the idea that whether physically that's kind of the paradigm case of mm -hmm. violence, I'm forcing your body to do a thing. Now you could also have right. a kind of emotional or psychological violence. Like I'm forcing sure. your mind to think a thing that you do not want to think. And I think that word want is where violence comes in. And this is where I'm going to throw something back at you. Uh, uh, violence is typically in force, you might say coercion of sorts is typically seen as something that occurs when uh, uh, anybody has to, uh, an entity sort of has to move against their will. Uh, in other words, whether you like it or not, you are being forced to move here. Whereas change that is by means of the will, the will and so this is where it's interesting that Dort, you know, the Senate of Dort and other things will even say, mm -hmm. God doesn't move on humans the way we move on a block of wood. That's a more kind of physical contact doesn't matter what the block of wood wants, quote, quote, <laughs> we move it wherever we want. But God works through the instrumentation of a willingness, which is sort of like the, and that we can metaphorically call it like the rush of love comes upon you. But I, I would want to say that change, uh, in a way, violence is, per, uh, violence is uh, 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 change against the will. 
in a sense, change yeah, upon you despite the will versus actually change could be called love. I mean, anything that is be changed between two willing agents, it seems to me, could at least uh, just be called what love looks like. And so I'd want to be careful. Well, about and I, that. I, I understand what you're saying. And uh, so when we say uh, that was a violent earthquake or that was a, a, a violent storm or a, mm. a violent explosion, what happened in that explosion or earthquake or volcanic eruption or thing? What was it that was violent? It was a shift from one state of being to another state of being. And its intensity is uh, viewed because of the rate of change. How much change happened wow. in a amount of time so the the more violent or the more intense violence would be a greater change in a shorter time so I, that's how i view violence itself so like um moving from a state of being to the next state of being is a change and is violent to that initial change whether it's through the the providential use of god ordaining all things and governing all things and disposing of all things like our confessions would say in chapter five or what you're talking about where i am manipulating either circumstances physical things or people around me to change them whether for the better for their good or for the worst i mean it, it you're talking about um it, two willing parties that's love i, I would agree and, and it's violent of itself of, of two willing parties um but it is no less violent to uh change somebody's mind or manipulate the circumstances around someone for them to willingly come to the understanding that x was wrong and y is correct right so maybe i could maybe i could try oh i'm sorry dale i don't want to get in your way well no 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 i was actually going to maybe you you and i were going to say something similar because it seems like if we say that violence equals change without mm -hmm. the caveat of the will, which is what Joe's trying to introduce, then all of life is violence. Every moment of yes. history reduces down to what we could say is and so the, and existence. That seems to me like we could, it like, is. It, it, it seems to me like uh, that, that could only be rendered true by an enormous amount of negations uh, 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 that are counterintuitive to what we ordinarily mean by violence. And here's what I mean by that. Um, I think it is true, like in poetry, for instance, love can often be portrayed in violent metaphors, vol volcanoes and earthquakes and that sort of thing. And I think what you mm -hmm. said is right. The, the, the suddenness of the change is mm -hmm. part of it. Uh, but I, it seems to me when we think of an earthquake and a volcano, for the most part, they're negative associations. The land was at peace and then it cracked. The volcano exploded. And love, in as much as it's portrayed that way by kind of analogy, I think the, the, the specific aspect that's being highlighted when you use violence metaphorically about love, the specific aspect that's being highlighted is the 
the almost um, un, in some cases, un, you know, falling in love, right? The unwilledness of love, the way in which attraction can be this kind of tidal mm -hmm. wave that, that that's prior to even my kind of like giving into it. I, I have this urge that I didn't, I don't even necessarily want to have, <laughs> but it's overwhelming me. That it can be violent in that sense. But I think it would be crucial to say. Um, that's kind of violence by analogy rather than violence proper. And violence proper typically is, is I think, seen as largely negative or, or something fitted to only a violent, uh, uh, or something fitted only to a fallen world, which doesn't mean sudden change. Yeah. It's not the same thing right. as sudden change is intrinsically fallen. Yeah, I, I think you're bringing up a good, a good point about um, being in post-lapsarian creation. Um, I, I think that it's a flawed way of looking at violence because then it, it forces violence to be negative, which I don't believe that it is. Um, so, for example, um, to say that violence is negative or bad or sinful is to not see the, the good that is impacted from the, the violence. For, for example, was it bad that Jesus violently flipped over tables and whipped people? Now I'm going to say no. Was it um, bad or negative that God pours out wrath upon the sun in our place? That, that is the most violent act in, in, in history. So I, I think we need to look at violence as not being good nor bad, but um, what what are the the things surrounding it and the motivations and um, the the ethic behind it? You you brought up some of these natural phenomena. All right, so it, it's violent when a star dies, but that's the birth of a, a new series of stars. It's violent when a, a a volcano erupts and there's this big, huge, massive destruction. But through that, islands are made. Um, it's violent when fill-in-the-blank natural, natural phenomena happens, but in that process, something is birthed out of it that is new and different. So mm -hmm. I, I don't think violence of itself is bad, but I think that there is proper violence and there's improper violence, or, or good violence, bad violence. And a lot of this is like you said, post-lapsarian is going to, from a human perspective, and the physical acts of violence are going to come down to justice. Uh, uh, and, and, I, and I think that is how we love God and love neighbor. Um, and and I, I think that really to get to how I view violence, you have to first start with what is and who is God, and what is and who are those that our image bearers, because then you start talking about the interactions that we have between image bearers and why, and how is that love? And from that, we can see, is this expression of violence towards an image bearer, an act of love towards God and that image bearer? So the one thing I would really quickly add, uh, and, and then I think we can just move on, just because I think this is a crucial point, and I think it's it's crucial to get our get get our terms especially clear. 
where I'd yeah. still have a hang up, even though I think I see, I think I see where you're going, and I don't think I disagree with uh, uh, the 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 goal of of of. I, I think the question is fascinating. Actually, <laughs> is my point. Um, but I just I just want to kind of go back to the to the volcano and such, and the wrath of God and all these things. Yeah. I think classically speaking, what we'd want to say is those are ways of describing God relative to a certain thing that's contained in the created order because of sin. So what we never want to imagine is that you sort of oh, have yeah. God as love and eternity, and there's a sort of wrath bubble floating around that he needs to put somewhere. Uh, wrath emerges from the relation of creation in a certain mode, in the mode of sin, toward God. And the and the violent and, and, and you're correct. Violence is not always unjust. That that's definitely correct. And the violence is is in a way. And I think you're absolutely right. The violence of God, in a sense, is both, um, uh, in a sense, is putting the fire in His creation out. It's the way we're violent with a fire, right? It's the fire is burning. He lit the fire, though. What? He lit the fire. He he lit the fire. Well, so, so I, I I would actually I would so I I think you could argue that humans lit the fire. Now the curse you could talk about the curse, but in a way in the Romans argument or the Rome language of Romans, the curse is kind of God giving us over to the disintegrating effects. The, the fire is an interesting metaphor there. <laughs> the disintegrating effects of our of our own momentum. That's what Romans one does. Is all this and that is it's interesting. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven. How? Right. By the giving over. And that's, we become a fire that he, instead of one that heals, like God's fire mm -hmm. purifies, we become that fire that oh, yeah. consumes. And in a way, God's violence is stopping violence. It's smashing, yeah, it's yeah, destroying yeah. the order. Uh, uh, and yeah. in, in meeting the order where it's met him, uh, 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 though obviously full of grace and, and only where, you know, is wise. But but I think mm -hmm. in other words I th I think it's important then still to say violence uh, in most of the other times we speak about violence as in like the torrent of love or whatever I I think the association is still negative not negative but not unjust so that's a different that there's another distinction to make there is yeah. just violence but the undergoing of the violence is still it's a negative thing to happen to you because violence is negative to happen to you. Step uh, by I, metaphor. That's for that, that. I mean, that's perspective. But like, you, you bring up fire, and, and fire is like an amazing analogy. Like you said, God is the all-consuming fire, right? Right, and and that's beautiful. Not only is he the all-consuming fire, but he lit a bush and didn't consume it. You, you, no. you know, so there, there there there's some really interesting things about fire. Uh, he's going to reveal sin and iniquity through fire on the earth or, or, you know, what have you. Um, Christians aren't the only ones that, that have come up with this because we're created in the image of God. You have like Prometheus fire. He, he steals fire. And is this good or bad? Well, I mean, it, it depends. You can blow up Okinawa and Nagasaki, or you can like power the rest of the, the planet cheaply and cleanly mixed metaphors yeah. i guess but like it, th that that is one of the struggles that we go through and um yes it, a, a lot of it has to do with the impact of our first parents sin 
and and I'm I'm not doubting that, and I'm actually trying to bring that in to to this story. For for example, right, God creates in in the space of six days. He looks out, and it's very good, right? God Himself is revealed in all things that are created. We we look out and everything about creation is screaming the glory of God. It is, it is revealing, it is showing who God is. Hmm. And this is post-lapsarian. This is after God curses the ground, thorns and thistles, all of that. You, the ground, the earth is cursed and you still look out, see a tree and God is revealing himself through that cursed thing. Now apply that to people because people created in the image of God display, reveal, glorify God in a way that the rest of creation cannot, right? There's something distinct about people. And I believe it is because ontologically they are the image of God, not just um, moral beings, not just the image Mm of God. I mean, like we can have that discussion later, but ontologically they image God. There, there is something about humans mm. th- that image God and reflect him and, and glorify him and, and magnify his glory in a way that creatures cannot. And that is post-lapsarian person. So even though that image is marred, cor- corrupted, wh- whatever word you want yeah. to use, a reprobate person, a person who um, is uh, an uprooted tree, as it were, twice dead, uh, foaming about on on the waves, Uh, you know, a wandering star for whom is uh, deserved the the darkness of blackness forever, one who is condemned from beginning to eternal damnation. That person in this fallen world reflects and, and displays the image of God, even in that state, in a way that creation does not, right? right? And, and I think that is the basis of how this conversation needs to start. So my interaction with the image of God here on earth is a physical manifestation of how I view my creator, how I love my creator. And, and so that needs to govern my actions, including my violent actions. Okay. And I think you're getting at, you're, you're starting to build a framework for, Mm. we talked about violence and now you're trying to build a framework for what do we mean when we say a Christian ethic in the disposal of violence? I want to just make one more thing. Uh, Nice pen you got there. You like that pen brother? (laughs) 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 Uh, I want, I I think it's important because you mentioned um, we were talking about natural disasters and out of yeah. natural disasters comes something good. But theologians forever have referred to natural disasters as natural evil. Like when they talk about the distinctions of evil, there's a moral evil and then there are natural evils and the grace of God uh, and the mercy of God actually jujitsus the evil to come around and make something good out of it like the death of Christ. Uh, it was evil to murder Christ. Uh, but out of that is the redemption of the world. Um, so I don't think, I, I think it's, we have to have a clear vision of saying, okay, when this thing that is uh, destroying life 
and God, we're talking about the what God is and what man is, right. and God is the ground of mm-hmm. being, and that therefore livingness, you know, mm-hmm. existing reflects God. Mm-hmm. Then that which kills or destroys or puts to death is against God. And so if there's a tornado that wipes out a small town in Oklahoma and you have the destruction of life, we can call that act natural evil because it is destroying that which reflects God, which is life because he's the ground of all being, even yeah. if goodness comes out of it. So I think that there's yeah. that, that distinction is yeah, crucial. I- no, I, I understand that, and and I somewhat agree. I, I understand what you're saying, and I agree. But I I would lean less about good coming out of it, and more from a providential perspective of God governing and disposing through that thing the good that is to come according to His plan, which I'm. I, I, it's the same thing. It's more than good comes out of this bad thing. It's that thing itself is good altogether. Like I don't look for the silver lining uh, uh, in a cloud. The whole thing is made out of gold. Right. You know, like yeah. all things work to his glory and my good and, and, you know, and that's the perspective I'm taking. This is, this is where um, it's interesting. Um, one of the metaphors in scripture is sort of like when i bring you back into the land right i'll have redeemed the lost years and so the idea Uh is maybe one way of getting at what you're saying is sort of like we shouldn't look at any moment or suffering and i think this is really for christians (laughs) right we can say this for christians we can't say this necessarily for for those outside of christ but those in christ uh, all of the in a way all of every piece of your life is redeemable uh, in itself. In other words, God can thread mm-hmm. each little thing, not despite itself, perhaps. And I think that's where Dale's point is, right? Despite what might be its inner kind of momentum, God can jujitsu literally every little detail to, to kind of weave into your story sure. uh, in, a, in, a, yeah. in a way that, that brings glory to himself and serves to, to, to craft you to to give good works out of out of your right. life out of your out yeah. of the providential caring of you and that's i think the old concept of in the early modern period there was a kind of a piety around the phrase abandonment to divine providence and it really right. was this sense of like god is writing the script and uh right. deliver yourself entirely just entirely to the script that he is writing through you very very briefly one one um um I think this point about, um, uh, uh, yeah, the ethic behind it, I think is, is very yeah. interesting. Maybe we should, yeah. uh, 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 very, but the very brief thing I was going to say is, uh, I think it's also important when we say something like quasars exploding is violent. That is true in the sense that there's a radical physical change, but I think it is also important to say that, that there is a little bit of... Um, human imaginative projection in, in call in, in throwing the word there again violence locus classicus would be related here and then we're applying it sort of maybe something that happens to our bodies really is the paradigm of violence and then we're applying it to kind of physical bodies outside of ourselves yeah. from an angelic perspective could be a uh you know a different kind of kind of coded differently and in fact this is one of the big impacts i'm just throwing this to the side 
This is one of the big impacts actually of the involvement of women in biology is that when men write biology, it's fascinating that when, you know, the first ways to articulate evolution, right? Competition, the survival of the fittest, whoever gets the first ground and they eat each other and they're running in fear. And it's like, that's, that's men's kind of coding of the, and you can learn a lot about the biological universe by, by focusing on those things. But it's demonstrable, in fact, one of the very demonstrable ways in which women have contributed to the sciences is that when females, more females entered into the discipline of biology, the metaphors in which they tended to code the biological universe, and especially in the plant world, this is important, are metaphors of cooperation. <laughs> and if you kind of bring that model to the universe instead of the kind of violent one, actually you wind, it also nevertheless winds up becoming generative of action, not just a kind of way to project into the to the world, yeah. a way that actually generates new observations about the world. And so it, yeah. a very- I've got two things, I've got two things about that. One, I, I, I you're you're just talking about language, right? How, yeah. how we yeah, express no, that's right. this thing. Yeah. So so like when when we talk about the quasar or talk about like you're saying the the love of the 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 love between two people that that they're brought in together and the passion, right? I mean, passion is suffering, right? That yeah. when we talk about the passion of Christ, that's what, we're talking about his entire condescension and suffering, right? So so we're. Yes, that the yeah, that old all, sense of suffering, yeah, right. So, so yes, that we 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 through our language in order to describe the beauty of of God's creation, take our thing that we feel viscerally and experience, and and we apply it by way of analogy. That would be one. Two, you're talking about women language in um, evolutionary biology and blah, 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 all of that stuff. What, what I find fascinating about that is if you look at some of the leading people currently that are talking about our need for cooperation versus power dominance dynamic systems, um, look at Jordan Peterson, look at a lot of the evolutionary biologists that he's like talking to right now. Um, that have been studying primates, studying insects, um, and what they are finding and talking about is that this idea of cooperation is what makes the alpha male alpha. It is not yeah. teamwork. the strongest, the most powerful, um, because that only works in, in a short time, and then everybody is tired of your crap, and they join together and overthrow you because you are a tyrant. Yeah, and you see that now, kind of, it's the Bronze Age tyrant who sort of gets overthrown by a by a, a sort of larger ecosystem and your your ecosystems have to get more complicated as we become less right. dependent on sort of the singular. But, but that ties into what, what, what I'm saying. Those are all pagan ways of talking about truth um, because they're image bearers and they can't help but see God and try to explain what it is that they're seeing. Um, but we have a biblical record that that outlines doctrine that explains those things and i think they're they're trying to explain something with what you were talking about the this uh, cooperation um ver versus a, a strict power dynamic Coercion, uh, yeah. attack and control right um th that is really what what i'm trying to get to in this um is you know the my action towards another image bearer is a physical manifestation of my love to that image bearer 
Yeah. And as love to that imager bearer, it's because he images God, right? And so that becomes de facto my love to God, right? How do I view God? Well, you, you can see how I view and value God by how I value his image, right? So should that govern my actions? Yes. So it, it, are there circumstances where a violent action against a person is love for that person? Not, not just society, not just community, but for that person itself, my violent action to him is love for him and as such an expression of love towards God. I, I can give some examples, but um, I think well, it, it might be helpful thing to, to Go see. Ahead, yeah, it might be helpful to talk about, um, you know, the idea of sphere sovereignty is coming yes, into play here. That's, that is. That's exactly what uh, layers this whole thing. It, it brings out the, the idea of love for God, love for neighbor, um, because neighbor is the image of God ontologically. So th then it becomes what you're talking about, the spheres of authority, which I think some people look at really, really radically wrong, as if there are spheres of authority authority that are coming into conflict with each other and Rather than overlapping um, are, right and not only overlapping but simultaneously moving through history at the same time for example i would break them up as in an individual me myself i have authority over myself this is what joe was talking about with, with you know my will right i have authority to think act to put put it in in verb term to image god right and and i can either do that rightfully or wrongfully when, when i when i break from that authority given to me and do not image god properly i'm being a tyrant is what happens right yeah. um to yourself that to, to myself yep. right I, i'm showing that i do not love god because i am not loving his image, right. yeah. myself, okay? Yep. I, I would argue that there's another sphere uh, dealing with familial, right? Um, you are a son, you are a father, you are a husband. You never cease to lose your authority over yourself while you are engaging in that vocational duty of sonship or, or right. father, or, right. right? So those two, they, they are moving together simultaneously. It's not one butted up against each other, right? Um, I would argue that there's another, which would be civil. And uh, again, you are never not a United States citizen while you are, have authority over yourself and over your, your children, family, mm. right? Um, and within the civil realm, you're, you're a citizen. And with that comes very specific rights and, and duties. And you are to image God properly in that role of citizen or magistrate. I mean, you could be a magistrate. And, and that authority as a magistrate has very specific duties when it comes to executing justice, which we'll get to later, but that's part of its role. Right. And, and then you have ecclesiastical, right, the governing of the, the church total, 
also within congregations. Now, each one of these spheres of authority, they don't, um, you're, you don't leave one authority to the next. They are all four happening simultaneously as we move through history. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. so I think that one governs and the other one doesn't. It's they are all governing at the same time. Right? But they might have different modes of governing. So, for example, they do. They do. Right. right. And I think that's I'm where the distinction comes in. Not that it's not that we're not that I would want to separate them, because I think you're exactly right. Your point is uh, that's been one of the things when we talk about sphere of sovereignty is that it's normally painted right. as sort of non overlapping circles. And that's just not that doesn't describe reality. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah it's. Um, oh, go ahead, but when it comes to deploying violence for I the end of justice, I think right. that the emphasis falls primarily, and this would be not to make the spheres separate, but to say that the bulk of the duty of uh, using violence in order to bring about justice does not fall on the individual citizen. I think um, it depends, but yes, yes, I, yeah. I, I that that is where we're going to go to. It, it is the civil magistrate that bears the sword of justice that is taken away from you as an individual. It, God is the god of revenge, not you, right? right. Batman, Batman is a sinner, uh, is what we're saying. <laughs> right, right. You do not have the authority as a an individual, nor do you have the authority as citizen to execute justice. The magistrate has the duty, but the magistrate is a an individual. It is a person, right? Right. So, I'm I'm for capital punishment because that's the state wielding the sword of justice, which is violence against a criminal. Right. You as an individual do not have that authority to go take the sword and kill somebody because they raped your wife. You right. do have authority over self-defense. Right. A guy breaks into your house to rape your wife. You kill that person. You are showing love to not only your wife and children. You are showing love to that person you killed. By defending life right you, you you are you are showing love to god and his image by destroying yeah. the one that is is has gone so far as to the, the commandments have both um well jesus says it's better aspects. for some people never to have been born than to right than to participate in certain kinds right. of acts and there's a there's a right yeah uh, so, so when, when, when we, we look at those kind of, of actions, you know, the, the action might look the same, but it's wrong on one aspect and totally appropriate on another aspect, right? So, so it's not the physical act that is the problem, which is what I was trying to get to before. It's, are you using a Christian ethic within the, the sphere of authority relegated to you properly in your action, whether it's violent or not. And if it is violence, that is an act of love towards God and image bearers. So what I would, what I would want to maybe tease out just a little bit is, um, I mean, for those with ears to hear, of course, what you've just sort of established and you, you added something I think that's very often overlooked. 
uh, but you went through kind of Luther's three estates, basically, right? It's a it's a family, mm-hmm. civil magistrate, and home. Those are kind of the the three vocations we all participate in in various ways through our gifts or right. our particular circumstances. But you also added authority over oneself, and it's interesting. This is this is also in Luther. You know, the Christian is the most perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none, and the Christian is the right. most beautiful servant of all, subject to all. The the latter part is the three estates. The former part is the Christian's right. relationship to their own conscience and such. And in fact, this is one of the reasons that the the Reformation political theology mm-hmm. is going to develop in the direction of when does, when right. one of when and one of the three estates is especially trying to psychologically coerce in other words get inside the head and manipulate what is actually meant to or be physically yeah or free. like change it psychologically through physical violence right yes right. but it, but it's just the the idea is that there's a there's a sacred a sort of sacred sense develops around the internal deployment mm-hmm. of freedom uh, in the appropriation right. of truth, and that that sort of develops right. in Protestant civilization, really. Um, but going back to the individual, focusing on the individual is helpful here because yeah. if we're talking about, um, uh, if we're abstracting it from who does violence, right? You know, if we agree mm-hmm. that um, police, even if we, even if you got rid of no. the death penalty, still presumably pretty much everybody believes that in some circumstances police should be able to take a human body put it on the ground and put handcuffs on that body that's violence there is an act of violence being done there now i'm just using that to say like pretty everybody agrees that like in some minimal way you know violence should occur the question of the question then of when can we tell because there's the question, because there's, there's uh, what, here's something I'd never want to conflate, coming up with the right Christian ethic and coming up, with the, coming up with the right Christian to apply that ethic. And this is right, where, Lewis, right. where, where what Lewis is going to say is something like this. We've we said this on the program several times. It's sort of like violence is, and I think we could all say this, violence is the exception state. In other words, it's the thing you have to be very mm-hmm. wise about deploying. Mm-hmm. And so what Lewis is going to wind up saying is something like, only those whose hearts are kind of the most mm-hmm. deeply plugged all the way down into the law mm-hmm. of love, who really understand love, who really feel that human life is sacred, mm-hmm. who really look at every person and they don't project and they say, I love these people. I want their dominion to be successful. Only mm-hmm. those people will, will be sitting in the right place when the complicated situation mm-hmm. comes in front of them to have that wisdom of Solomon when the two ladies come with the baby, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to really right. be able to see precisely and say, okay, violence here. And I think one of the things we're seeing in our own civilization is just like, oh, theoretically on a Christian ethic, violence is acceptable. Therefore, I'm the guy right. on Twitter to tell you when you should go throw bombs right. at that person over there. And it's like, dude, you're juvenile. Right. You can just, yeah, right. like, you're, you're like, yeah, you're, you're not, not, a, you're you're not, not applying. Right. <laughs> like right. you're no, and, and <laughs> So I'm, I'm going to agree with, with Lewis right there. I mean, that that's basically the essence of what I'm trying to say. Yep. Yeah, right. I think that's yeah. right. Um, but, um, and I agree with you, we have too many people following Jordan Peterson, following um, a, a, a harsh, 
like you said, oh, it's a, I can use a Christian ethic to employ violence, and, but you, you're, you're not actually applying the doctrine, um, and it shows by the violent action that you're, you're executing, right? So I, I, I do agree that there is a concern and that there, there is something that we, we, which is why we need to examine ourselves and why I would start with me being the first tyrant right? Because I am the first tyrant. But like he was saying, like, like you were saying, talking about Luther, what, what is it about my conscience? What is it about that? Well, it's that I have the mind of Christ, right? That, that's, what, that's what is rooting this whole entire thing is um, corrupt image bearer, restored by the blood of Christ, just as creation itself is being reconciled back to God through the blood of Christ, you as an individual, the church as a whole, is not just being redeemed, which it is, but it's being restored. You are being transformed into the image of the Son. What is the image of the Son? He is the exact imprint of God. He is the very essence of God, made flesh. He is the obedient Son. He is the pure manifestation of how one images God, right? And this is not some algorithm. It is not some if this, then that, if this, then that. We're not robotic. It's more like there's basic <laughs> generic rules, like in chess. This kind of guy moves this way. This kind of guy moves that way. This one moves that way. Um, this is the, the structure of the board. Now you have the freedom to move the pieces, as you will. Or, or writing a, a book or an, an article. There's basic rules of syntax, grammar, spelling, and you have some content that you are going to put out using that framework, but you have the freedom to choose whatever words and structure, you know, and align things as you will. That is a lot like how you, any person, images God, how, how they take that ontological, I am the image of God and put that into action. And when you image him properly versus improperly, right? Yeah. And so what we're talking about is, is because you, a Christian has the mind of Christ, because a Christian is being transformed into that image to image God properly with the freedom that we, we've all been just talking about, that is when that, that person can take this Christian ethic and, and govern all of their lives, including the violent actions, because those violent actions are going to be an expression of imaging God properly, right. which means I am loving my neighbor who images God, yep. and in doing so, love God. Yeah, I see the logic. Um, I, I understand the logic, and I think it's correct logic. The, 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 the idea, though, um, that one has the mind of Christ uh, mm -hmm. when they're regenerate and can therefore make proper moves and judgments on when to deploy violence to love God and neighbor is where I would want to uh, sort of poke at a little bit deeper to get some clarity. Because for yeah. me, yeah. self-deception um, is universal, oh, yeah. even in the regenerate mind. And mm -hmm. to give a concrete example, if I believe that 
um, abortion. Let's just take abortion. Abortion okay. is the slaughter of uh, an image bearer. It's the intentional unjust killing, killing of a human. Unjust killing of a human. If I believe that, yeah. then if I move out into the uh, into society mm-hmm. and I'm confronted with something that would uh, um, force me to think in different ways about abortion, perhaps abortion was not the, the proper example, um, but if I'm forced to reconsider deeply held beliefs as a Christian mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. justify my ramshotting over my enemy with violence uh, because I don't want to consider other ways to think, um, that could be a level of self-deception. Again, abortion is sure. pretty straightforward, yeah. but and yeah. you take yeah. anything. Yeah. You're right, the inab- right. Discernment. It takes discernment. It takes training. It takes like reading and applying doctrine and being wrong and and changing and and right being but, brought into conformity to work but that this is what we were talking about with, with spheres of authority right so with, with, with abortion with the unjust killing of um pre-born humans because of that that is why i demand that the civil magistrate who bears the sword of justice punish women and men that take them and doctors that do it all of the people involved ought to be brought to justice because that was the unjust killing of a human right right so anything short of that is the state is is the civil magistrate not doing their job and acting like a tyrant and me as a citizen my vocational duty is to remind them that what they are doing is unjust and hatred to God and hatred to image bearers by not wielding this by wielding the sword in vain, as Paul says. They right. they are negligent in their duty and and will be held accountable. So I'm warning them that they are showing partiality to the wicked person killing children. And right. because all, of their all, all opinions on this program do not necessarily represent the opinions held by the Davenant Institute. Uh, 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 right. Perhaps I should well, add LLC. Uh. Well, but I think, and my point here was, the point that I was trying to make um, is that the, the inability to mm-hmm. reconstruct huge tectonic plates of conviction um, mm-hmm. leads one to take an easy route for solving the confusing thing through violence. In other words, violence can shortcut the long, hard process that one must go through in order to re- to correct themselves on something they hold very dearly. And that's what yeah. I mean by self-deception. Yeah, no, and, and I agree. And But there there is a self-correcting process in that because when I, if I execute violence improperly, I am now a tyrant and violence ought to be brought against me for reciprocity. And, and it's, it's a self-correcting mechanism 
And, and this is how yeah. we learn and, and become discipled and, and discipline ourselves, not just in violence, but in every aspect of our lives. I mean, this is Hebrews 6. This is, this is training discernment in the spirit. And we are going to be wrong, but over time, we are being conformed into his image well, more and more and more. This is why we have Callie on the program, because Callie had me on his program a while ago to talk about how do you, you know, work through genuine disagreements with people. And you can probably yeah. tell between the lines that Dale and I and Callie have different opinions on various things and disagree with each other on various bits. And we talk together. But we talk like together. And that's, exactly, that's exactly right. What you just <laughs> talked about in some ways is just the way of repentance. And I think one of the things yes. is that Callie yes. just ex Callie just expressed an opinion that uh, you know uh, you know that that was very 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 uh, politically uh, radical in some circles and would just automatically get him called a Nazi in a lot of places. And the yeah, thing because is, we is, shouldn't think, kill unborn children. Yeah, so that's such a radical <laughs> position. Well, I don't mean that. Oh I mean, no. I mean, yeah, I mean the line about uh, 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 women. Oh, oh justice for. Oh, justice yeah, 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 yeah. The process. So, so a lot yeah. of people, oh, a lot of pro-life like, people are a little, yeah. a little. So, so but, yeah. but the point there is, is like the options. If I have like a little bit of a uh, reaction to that, my options are to think, well, Callie's just a callous Nazi or not. And one no, of the things no. that you talk, you talk, and, and this is the thing. This is the choice everybody right now is making. Is when you when you encounter a feeling of. Uh, oh, yikes, I'm really not sure I agree with that. Your options at that point when you're dealing with somebody Why? by a virtue of habit is to say, okay, I really disagree with that. Maybe it even makes me uncomfortable and triggered, but is that person simply the guy who thinks that thing and that is everything I can know about them? But what Callie just expressed wow. to me is our, the basis of our common project. The reason I can talk to Callie is because both of us are coming at each other in the way of repentance, in the way of yeah. you have gifts to offer me, I have gifts to offer you. And, and, and for, so, for instance, we're framing this conversation, I know, in ways that would, would actually uh, drive some people crazy, like violence and God and whatever. And I I've given all my reservations. But my assumption is that when Callie comes on and says, says this, he starts to talk about violence, uh, you can project into that the most sinister imagining you want under mm -hmm. the label violence. And the whole point of the discursive process is to say what's really going on here. And I think something you said earlier, Callie, about language is just right. And that is, in a way, here, here's the line. Uh, words don't mean anything. People mean things with words. And I don't care, it, like the most important thing when I'm trying to understand Cali is not what is the meaning of violence. It's what does Cali mean when he says violence? That's the way I have to judge Cali, not based upon what Webster 1828, you know, whatever says. But maybe just to, in the spirit then of getting inside your head, I guess, and sort of, because there's two, two yeah. things. I've, one, one thing I'd love the audience to know, and then one uh, application I'd love to see you make. One is... Um, uh, you mentioned that you you did these things. We were kind of winding down, and so this will be a good yeah. uh, bell curve bookend here. Uh, you mentioned yeah. that you you started working for the government, but now a lot of our yeah. listeners might not know that you're involved in a you know a a a, 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 a sort of anti-abortion. You pastor yeah, a church, and you're and you're and you're part of the the abolitionist movement. The 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 right. abolitionist. Do a lot of work with the homeless. Um, yes. Yeah. So I guess the question to me would be. What is there a way in which your your experience sort of seeing the underbelly of kind of American violence in, in on the on the kind mm -hmm. of foreign policy scale uh, 
somehow, in a way, spiritually developed you toward the, the abolitionism uh, uh, calling. And then the, the second, and then I'll, I'll ask a second question because I'd love to hear this applied. Uh, yeah. people, people look at Callie and they think, oh, I can predict his politics. But it's funny, I, I doubt they could. Yeah. And here's and here's a here's, yeah, they, here's yeah. a reason. Um, what you're talking about people needing the mind of Christ in order to make the right decision about when mm -hmm. to deploy violence. But then I can imagine the guy coming along, and this is a good question: mm -hmm. a guy coming along and saying, "Okay, yeah, sure, good. If everybody were like Jesus, it would go well." Duh. But here we are in a country of over 325 million people, and there's going to be winners and losers politically. Uh, and there's going to be uh, kind of some Machiavellian mm -hmm. force necessary to win or lose uh, in the mm -hmm. realm of politics, even if it's just like, can't talk mm -hmm. to them, we need to get this legislation through. What, how does your vision, I guess, apply? So the one question is, how do those two pieces of your story relate together? But then mm -hmm. how does your kind of overall thing you're trying to say here apply to the the more or less like crass world of real politics yeah. if i could put it that way all right let, yeah let me do the second one first because it's easier um duty is ours and results belong to god you know like what drives <laughs> what i think and do is doctrinally what god has said and i apply it regardless of any outcome that that is out of my hands results and outcome belongs to God and his providence but that should not determine how I think and act but what should is the word of God that I'm being conformed to by the spirit of God through the means of grace right um, so that would be my question answer to question number two if that makes any sense yeah um, qu question number one um, people can sleep at night because good men do violence on their behalf. That, that is the, the, the greater thing that when you have like operators or, or military people or, or whatever, they are generally out there doing violence for something greater than themselves, whatever that thing happens to be. And sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. Um, because they're not all Christians, but we have this internal uh, thing, right? Be this image that we bear that drives us and, and, and drives us to justice. Now, it might be skewed because we're, we're corrupt, right? Um, but it is that thing that drives violent action by good men on behalf of others. Um, seeing depravity on a very specific level, callousness, taking part in that, being that, right? Because I, as a pagan, did evil stuff, evil, violent things for the greater good or, or whatever. Um, so seeing it happen, taking part in it, getting saved and being redeemed, and, and having my mind changed, I can now look back and go, those things that God ordained for me to do and experience are what brought me to where I am here. And it has built up a specific understanding, a specific 
um, way of applying his word now and how do I take those lived experiences that God chose for me to go through and how do I apply it on Tuesday afternoon when I'm sitting with my wife dying of cancer? How do I, how do I apply it to dealing with and showing compassion to a, a woman that is about to kill her baby? Right? How, how do I uh, apply those things to the homeless guy as I'm sharing the gospel and, and giving assistance to him? How does it apply to how I deal with my children? How does it apply to me as a citizen or a magistrate? That is exactly what we are all supposed to do, right? To, to take the, what the gift that God has given us of our lives, of our experience, God either gave that to you or, or he didn't. I, I choose to believe that all things that I have, God gave to me, right? So I can look at those things as gold and apply them to the changing of my mind being brought into conformity to Christ and apply those things to every aspect of my life. And, and like what we're talking about today, violence. You know, yeah. it it shapes how I um, view the authority structures and is my action um, outside of that realm of authority? Is, is it within the bounds of what God has uh, commanded me to do or forbidden me not to do within those uh, authority realms? So what do you, what do you yeah. say to the young guy who comes to you and says, Callie, uh, yeah, you say results are in the hands of God, but as you said, he only commands so many things. And there's, you know, this is how our system works is political winning. And so we're using the system. But at some point, if the system is, you know, it's getting bad, at some point we yeah. do uh, like you mm -hmm. in the in the world, realistically, we have to uh, we have to strategize uh, like yeah. this is how I'm not against it. We yeah, have I'm to, not against strategy. We have to strategize, uh, and but 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 we have to strategize in a way that does not cause us to sin. Well, what I was going to say is, is in a in a way that can't be delayed, can't be um, dis overly distracted by making sure that everything we do is just perfectly godly. Like politics doesn't work that slow. <laughs> uh, it doesn't work. Politics is supposed to work that slow. Read the, read the, our founding fathers. They intentionally put gridlock in to the political yeah. system on purpose. But uh, to go to some of your questions, I, I, I would say to that guy, hey, go read the reformers, go read Knox, go read Beza, go read Luther, kind of, um, <laughs> go, go, re go read the Magdeburg Confession, go, go read how these guys talked about the magisterium, how they talked about submission to that authority as a citizen and when your 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 duty as a as a citizen means that you need to stand against a tyrant yeah i mean all of those things come into play for right. sure do you have any th theology of revolution 
in other words, when that could possibly be appropriate? Because that, of course, is the big question yeah. that I think is on every, not that yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying that I, oh, let's go, I'm not there at all. But, uh, but, yeah, but, I, I but a lot of the rhetoric, of when we're talking about the authoritarian right right now, a lot of the rhetoric is in the direction, in that direction. And that's more what I'm trying to yeah, get at. What do you say to that young guy yeah. where you can kind of smell the revolt in him? <laughs> right. So, so, so then I, I would say, hey, go look at the French Revolution. Revolution is bad. You're just trying to tear down a system and import a state out of your own making. You're no different than the commie or, or the socialist that is trying to crush this state so that they can have a different straight state empowered and, and oppress them. I would say look at what revolutions are in comparison to what reformations are and be leaning towards the reformation side of first starting with yourself. I am a tyrant. I need to be reformed, work in your spheres of authority, whether it's in the family or your vocation within the civil realms and, and let that guide the reformation that you are bringing about in yourself, in your family, in your community, in your state, in your country, you know, uh, going up and down through the, the spectrum. We're, what we're looking for is applying the word of God to our lives and not disrupting politics or, or, or the state, but, but calling the state to repent. And, and whatever that means in any given situation, you know, I, I, I don't know because I'm not in that situation. You, you, that, and that's what I'm trying to get to. Like, you, like, like it's, we're, we're not, it's not like some, you know, code or algorithm that says, okay, in case of, of emergency, break glass. It, it's not that. It, if king does X, then you do Y. If this, then that. It's not that. It's, I have all of these doctrinal pieces from the word of God that informs how I view things and I act appropriately from that, hmm. which is, yeah. is different. Yes. But I would say well, chill out, chill out, calm down, um, be <laughs> triggered. Being triggered is the right thing to do. If you understand what being triggered is, um, have a knee jerk reaction because that is the right thing to do as long as the reaction is the right reaction. Um, and this is something that Dale and I are supposed to talk about at some point. Yes. Just to remind yes. you. <laughs> thank you, brother. We have a lot but to thank talk you about guys. actually. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was our pleasure. And I mean, it's a, it one is. of those, it's one of those conversations I could talk for a long time. I wanted to get into some of the concrete examples of what precisely of a Christian acting out of a Christian ethic in violence looks like to my, like, is there ever a moment where I can punch somebody in the face or something like that? Yes. Um, so, right. I know there's a, in the world of scenarios and possibilities, <laughs> we have to say there is one or there, there are a yes. cluster of them, but anyway, um, maybe we can pick this up at a different time, but I think for our purposes, this has been a good introduction to at least understanding what we mean or, or how we could have a discussion about the meaning of violence mm -hmm. and uh, what God is and, who as image bearers are and why violence can be um, um, 
a virtue at points and necessary at points. So thank and you for loving. the conversation. And loving. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Callie, last thing. Um, where can people find you, your work, if they wanted to know more? Uh, yeah. Tell us where to go. Um, uh, I have a podcast, Resisting Balaam. And this week I'm going to record more about this topic from a theological perspective. Generally, I deal with like abortion and abortion related issues. Um, it's Resisting Balaam. Um, I have a documentary coming out in September on IVF and embryo adoption. Um, and I speak at conferences. Um, you can find me on the Facebook. Um, yeah, that's about, that's about no it. No Twitter? You're not on the Twitter, brother? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on the Twitter as well. I, I recently started doing that. I, I, I would get rid I of all it. social media, except <laughs> I need it to go out Promote there yourself. and uh, spread, spread my propaganda. You know yes. I mean? That's how I, I get, get the he message He got trained out. by the Fed, and so now he just does it. He does he did the whole PI propaganda thing. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah. Thank uh, you. You're welcome. As always, you can find our previous episodes over on YouTube. If you head over to the Davenant Institute's YouTube channel, we're also on all the podcast things. Uh, so look us up and check us out. Um, until next time, Joe, I love you, brother. Love you too, man. And we'll see y'all later. See ya.